So uh, one of the things that was really cool about um, the message that I've kind of been preparing, and I actually started preparing this a few weeks ago. I was supposed to speak, but then all this started happening, and Pastor Richie was like, hey, I've got some words of encouragement that I want to speak right now. And I think it was just God's timing and alignment for when he wanted me to speak this message right now. And so I started thinking about Psalms 23.1 when back in about February uh, when everything was kind of starting to come out, what was going to happen. Psalms 23 was the verse that I started to grab onto for myself. And I don't know about you, but have you ever read a verse and you haven't really read the verse before? It sticks out to you like it never has. And for some of you, Psalms 23, you've, you've uh, been around it before, you, you, you've seen it. For some of you, it might be your grandparents have it stitched on a pillow, and you're like, oh, that's cute, that's such a good little verse. But you never know what a verse means to you until you walk through what the verse meant to that person when they were writing it, when they were, when they were going through the situation. Because Psalms 23 starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And for, uh, for us, we think, oh, this person was writing this in a good time in their life. They had everything figured out. The Lord is their shepherd and they lack nothing. They have everything they need. They've got money in the bank. They've got the nice car. They've got the big house. But when you start to look at this verse, you start to find out that David, who wrote Psalms 23, is not in the best time of his life. He's in what we would call a, a cave or a dark time. And so when, when, when I just started meditating on this verse, started thinking about this verse all the time, I started to do some research. I like, I like to know, like, like, oh, like there's the fact, but what's behind the fact? And so I started to, like, dig in and find out. And what scholars think and what scholars believe is that uh, David either wrote this, this Psalms either when he was uh, being chased by Saul, he was in a cave, or they think it's when his son had betrayed him and he is being chased by an army. And he is, and he is now saying, God, the Lord is my shepherd. And I don't know about you, but when David is, is saying this, I don't believe he's saying this like, he's saying this out of somewhat of faith in his life. Not just out of, this is what my circumstance is saying. He's saying, this is what my circumstance is going to be. Because he is counting on God. He is depending on God. He's saying, I, I need God in my life. And so one of the big questions that I want to pose to you at the very beginning of this is how do you see God? Because the way David sees God and the way someone else can see God are two very different things. You see, David is seeing God as he is my shepherd. He even goes on to say, he is the good shepherd. He's the one who's going to lead me and guide me through every single pathway in my life. And so because he says that, he has the belief and the turning point in his life to go, God is the good shepherd. I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to just say, oh, well, the circumstance is bad. Saul is chasing me and I don't have anywhere to go. I'm hiding in a cave right now because I am literally running for my life. But David is saying, here I am. God, you are the good shepherd in my life. Anyone else felt like in the past three months, like, Lord, you're going to have to lead us a little bit more. God, I'm going to have to follow you a little bit more. God, I, I'm a little disheartened right now. Anyone else? Just me? Just me? Just me when I was going through everything? When I was locked in my house and couldn't leave? Just me, apparently. 
But anyway, so David is saying, I will trust, I'm trusting in God to lead me through this situation. So the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Verse 2 says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So we're seeing again the viewpoint that he has of God. That he's not just the good shepherd that he is with him, but he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I was looking up some pictures of Jesus, and one of the most popular ones is Jesus has his, his rod right here, and he's just kind of staring off into the distance. Not staring at anybody, just kind of staring off in the distance, and I'm like, what is he thinking right there? Is he thinking anything? Is he going, what's he thinking through that? And we can tend to think that God is staring off, not concerned about us, but he really is concerned about us. He's looking at us. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. The Lord makes us rest. You know, and he's, he's, he's comparing himself to a sheep right now because sheep have to be told to lie down. They won't actually do it on their own. They are told, you have to, the shepherd will come and he'll put, get them to a green pasture and he will force them to rest so that they won't kill themselves. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. You see, sheep are, they're so dumb, and they're, they are obviously covered in wool. So when a, she, when a sheep will come by a rushing water, if he dips his head in, he will literally, his, the weight of his wool will then pull him into the water, and he will start to drown as he's pulled off the stream. And so God has to use his hook, he has to pull the, the lamb out, get him back on water, because he is so dumb, he will literally drown himself trying to, trying to quench his thirst. But our God is such a good God that he saves us when we're drowning. And then he says, you know what, I'm going I'm to lead you beside the quiet waters. The waters where the stream is not rushing, but where you can take a drink in peace, nothing will happen to you. And he's leading us to quiet waters. He doesn't just say, hey, there's a quiet water, go find it. He says, I'm going to lead you to the green pasture, and I'm going to lead you by the quiet water. Where the quiet water is there beside you, where you can't, where no harm can come to you. No harm can come to you. Verse 3 says, he refreshes my soul. He refreshes my soul. He, things that are broken inside of me, that relationships that cause or hurts that are in there, he refreshes my soul. He brings healing to my heart. He brings things that are hurting inside of me that I can't explain. He starts to fix and change. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Because he is the good shepherd. He is the one who's leading us. He is the one who is saying, no, you don't need to go that way. You need to go this way. And he's using his shepherd's crook to, to tap us, to say, this is the way to go. This is where you should go. And so he refreshes my soul. I don't know about you, but sometimes my soul needs to be refreshed. There's something inside of me sometimes I can't explain why, but I feel this way and I can't get rid of the feeling. But God says, I'm going to come in, I'm going to heal your soul. Verse 4, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You can go through things when you know God is with you. You're not stuck in the dark place. You're going through the dark place. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, that rod is used to, to pull us and to, and to guide us and to, and to help us move from situation to situation. But his, his rod is there to defend us, to defend us from the lion. So when the lion comes, he goes, whack, and hits us, hits the lion, and we are free and we are safe. You see, it's comforting to know that you have a God who will protect you and not just lead you. Because when you have a God who protects you, you can go, I don't care what's going on in the world. I know my God will protect me and heal me. He will comfort me. He will be right beside me no matter the situation. No matter the situation. Verse 5 is the one that I'm really going to sit and kind of really talk about today. And it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He's prepared a table before me. I don't know about you, but that's kind of an interesting statement to say. Because if you look at the verse again, let's throw that up real quick. I can look at myself and sit here at the same time. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I wouldn't have wrote that. I would have said, you prepare a table before me in your presence. Not in the presence of my enemies. Not with people who I don't like. Not with things going on around me that I can't control, that I can't deal with. But you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You know, that's an interesting statement to make because God, God is coming and he has prepared the table before us. And he is sitting across the table of us. And we, he wants us to focus in on him. He doesn't want us focused on what's going on around us. He wants us to focus in on him. Has anyone else found it hard to, to turn off the news? To turn off what's going on around us and to say, God, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to focus on your goodness. I'm going to focus on what you have for me. I'm going to focus on the fact that, God, I know you're in control of the situation and not myself that I actually don't have the control that I thought I did. And, and we, we will say like, okay, like God, I got the table, I'm here. And wow, this is amazing. Wow, you, you've, got all, you've got all this, you really, you want that for me? Yeah. yeah. And when we start to sit at the table, God starts to explain his plan for our lives. And we're like, wow, that's better than I thought. I thought. That's better than I thought I wanted. That's more than I wanted to do. Wow, this is amazing. But too often we come and we sit at the table and we're just trying to, all right, I got 10 minutes. Like how, how much stuff can you tell me in 10 minutes? I, you know, oh, thank you, God. 10 minutes, oh, well, I got to go to work. Sorry, I need to leave right now. And instead God's still sitting there going, hey, I have a little bit more that I want for you right now. Or hey, I've got once a week, I've got once a week for like five minutes a day and but God's saying, why don't you come and sit at my table? Because you have your enemies, and it, it, he's prepared this table in the presence of your enemies, which means there's something going on around us that is trying to circle us and trying to bring its, its head, its life at your table. And his name is the devil. He wants to be at the table, too, because when the devil gets at your table, he'll come up, and if you allow him, he'll pull up his own chair 
when you're, you're supposed to be with God, and he'll say, hey, what's up? Hey, I know you're supposed to be reading your devotional right now, but here's what's happening in the news. And, you know, you should really actually be a little depressed right now. Yeah, I know. I know what's happening. This is, this is just odd. Yeah, you should probably never, ever read your Bible again. You should stop that devotional right now. Miracles actually don't happen anymore. And he starts lying to you at your table. And what God said, and what you have to do is you have to say, no, devil, you actually don't get a seat at my table. You actually don't get to be with me because this is, this is my time with my God and my Savior who loves me. And he wants to be here with me. Do you know why he prepares the table in the presence of your enemies? Because if it was all good, you'd start looking around going, oh, that's cool. Well, that's amazing. But when it's in the presence of your enemies, you start to focus, hey, God, here I am. I want to focus on you right now. I'm here for this. Because when you're focused here on God, you get to have what's in the next verse. And it says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But that only happens when you do verse 5 and you sit at the table with a wonderful God who loves you so perfectly and loves you so intimately that you sit here and go, thank you, God, I love you. Wow, you're going to do that for me? Wow, I can't believe, I can't believe that I get to die to myself and become who you called me to be. I can't believe that you actually want that for my life. You don't want me to be in depression all my life. You don't want me to have anxiety all my life. I, you don't want me to have suicidal thoughts all my life. You want me to do, you want me to have a good life. You want me to have joy in my life, goodness in my life, faithfulness in my life. Uh, you want all those things for me and more? And you start to have that intimate feeling. But too often we give the devil a seat at our table. And we start to let things fester and come into our life about what is actually happening. And so today I, I want to put four points. I've got, just got four things to know when you've let the devil come into your life and you've given him a seat at your table and you've allowed him to come up here and go, hey, I want, I want you to come right here and I want you to, and I, oh, the devil is now in my life and in my situation because we've allowed him to, a seat at the table. So here's the first point. He's telling you that your life is better at another table. God never told you to leave the table that you are at. You see, the table you are at, God has prepared specifically for you. For you. This is my family table. This is, this is where relationship happens. This is where my friendships are. Now I'm saying, I'm not saying that if there's an unhealthy relationship with a friendship or stuff like that, that you shouldn't leave, say, excuse me, you're not allowed at my table anymore. You should say that. Sometimes the devil use a friendship to get into your table. And he starts distracting you and saying, hey, you don't need to read your Bible that much. That's weird that you believe in miracles. That's weird that you, you want to do that. And you have to say, no, 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 no. My God can do those things. And either you got you to believe what, what, what the Bible says, or you're going to have to get out of my table right now because I'm not dealing with that. Because the devil will come up and go, 
man, you see that table over there with that, with that new family, with that new relationship, with that, with that new thing? Sometimes God might be calling you to a new job. That's, that's true, but sometimes it's just you just being not, not wanting to stick it out sometimes with, with some things that are, God's wanting to work through us. I'll tell you the truth. I, sometimes I, I don't want to mow the yard when I have a house because I don't want to do it, but God's saying, you got to do it. Who else is going to do it? It's you. And I'm like, no. Or clean the house or do laundry. I'm like, no, I don't want to do laundry. I want my clothes to be magically done. And so, but there's things that we, God wants to put in us, but sometimes we get up and we leave and we go to a different table too early. And, and the thing that God wanted to work in us is then not there. It is evaporated. He does not want you to leave where you are. God has called you to where you are. The second way you'll know that if you've let the devil come into your table is that you have a voice in your head right now telling you that you're not going to make it. That you're not going to make it. You have a voice saying, hey, maybe it would be easier if you weren't here anymore. Maybe, maybe if you left, maybe things would get better. Maybe if you didn't have such anxiety in your life right now and depression coming on in your life right now, maybe you should just end it all right now. And that's not what God has ever said at your table. Because the enemy tr tries to come in, and he tries, doesn't just try to come in and just say things like blatantly. He comes in as you. He's like, man, I would be better off if I just ended it all right now. And he's sitting there, and he's looking at you, and he's talking as you, and you're thinking, those aren't my thoughts. But he comes in, and he tries so desperately to, to kind of work his way into your life. And you've got to say, no, devil, not now. This is my table. This is, this, is where, this is where I'm called to be right now. The third thing is if you don't feel like you're enough at your table. Because God has called you to this table. He's put you here. He's got you where he wants you to be at right now. And he says that you are enough as you are. And so when, when you hear someone say, Hey, you're not really enough to do this. Hey, you're, you're actually not good enough to be here. God never, called, never said that in your life. He never spoke that in your life. What he's trying to do is he's trying to kill, he's trying to steal, and he's not trying to destroy your destiny right there. And he's trying to say, you know, if you just were good enough, you, this would be better right now. John 10, 11 John 10, 10 through 11 says, The thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And then he goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good, sheep gives, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He gives his life for us. He, he says he is the sacrificial part of the lamb. Because what the devil will come in and say, well, if you just gave more, if you just gave more of your time to your spouse, if you just did more things, if you just tried a little harder. But God's saying, you have to work in the grace that I've given you. 
Not in the grace someone else has given you. Not in what other people's expectations are of you. And sometimes you need to listen to those people. Sometimes they're saying, hey, bro, you've got more inside of you than you are doing right now. And it might be, and they might, God might be using them to get you to take your next step in your faith, to take your next step in the level of what's happening. God will never, con- God will never condemn you, but he will push you to do what is next in your life. He is the good shepherd, and he gives life in your life. He comes in and he says, I have prepared the table for you. The table for you. You know, I, I really think that a lot of people are dealing with this comparison game in their life. Where they start to think, am I really good enough for this? Because they start looking at other people's lives and going, man, that looks really easy over there. That looks really amazing over there. And what happens is we start to play this comparison game. Well, if only I was this person, or or if only I had those parents, or if only I had that situation right there, if only I had gotten that job. And we start to play this comparison game in our life, and we we start to undermine what God is actually doing in our lives. We start to underappreciate what God is doing in our lives. Because if you really believe that God's a good God, you would know he has you where you are at for a reason. And we have to stop this comparison game. Because it just keeps driving us crazy of why am I not further along than I am? Why am I not going to other places? And it just creates this discontentment in our life where we just believe our life's just not going to be there. So point number four, if you think you've let the devil at your table, if you think everyone else is against you. Mm. Ever been there before? I don't know about you, but I, I have felt that way in my life before, where I feel like people just don't like me. People just don't want to be around me. People just can't seem to understand what I'm doing in people's lives, or people just don't understand how great of a friend I am in people's lives. Don't you know I'm awesome? (laughs) Don't you know? And apparently they don't. (laughs) Well, we we can know that we've let the devil at our table if we think, why am I not further along than I am right now? Why? Why is everyone against me? Man, I can't seem to get a job promotion. I can't, man, my coworkers don't like me. And we, we start to think that, is everyone against me? And when we hear that, we have to think, I've let the devil at my table. I have put something that should not have been, that he should have never had a place in my life. And I've allowed that. Because if I think everyone's against me, then I am obviously in a state of mind that is not good. But God wants us to come around and he wants to know that even if other people are against you, I'm still for you. I'm still with you in this situation. And what we have to do is we have to get up and we have to say, no devil, you will not have a place in my life anymore because my God is a good God and he will supply all my needs in my life. I want to say, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. 
it is too valuable of a thing in your life to put anybody to give the devil a seat at your table with an almighty God who loves you, who wants to do good things for you, who wants his life to mean so much more in your life. For us to understand that he sacrificed it all. And I want you to tell you, God gave you the authority to kick him off of your table. But he did not say that it was going to be easy. He said, I've given you a table in the presence of your enemies. And when he's in the, when we're in the present, present, in the presence of our enemies, sorry, can't speak. When we're in the presence of our enemies, it makes us keep our eyes on Jesus. It keeps our eyes on the King. It keeps our eyes on our God who loves us, who wants to do so much more for us. Because when we know he wants to do so much more for us, we will zoom in. And we will be here and not here. You know, uh, one time I, I was trying to think of a situation where something happened. And I was like, what the heck while I was eating, while I was doing something. And I remember in high school, I went to McDonald's. And uh, I, I, my parents would give me like a $5 allowance like every day. It's like, go get some food for lunch. And so... I'd gone, gotten the dollar menu, gotten a McDouble, gotten some fries, and I was coming down and I was eating with my friends when all of a sudden this person came up who was, I knew him, but like we were not friends, and like I'm, I'm in high school right now, like I'm growing, like I need food, and so I've got my two McDoubles, and this person comes up and he, he grabs his chair, brings it up next to mine, and starts eating my food. I don't share food with my wife. I'm like, no. Like, order your own fries. Like, and they start eating my food. And so, I'm going to sound terrible for, for saying what I said. But I, I looked at him. I, I looked at him and I gave him this look of like, are you kidding me? Maybe he said something else. I don't know. I blacked it out. I gave him a look and I was like, you do not touch what is mine, what my parents have provided for me, what my parents have given to me to, so that I can eat for today. You don't get to come in and take what God has given me. This is mine. And so I, I said some words. I said, get off of the table. And he walked away like, oh my goodness, what did I just do right now? And that's what you have to do with the devil in your life. Is you're going to have to say some things. Say, you can't have what's mine. You can only, you, you're going to have to get out of my table. And, and this is what God has given me. And you can't have it, devil. This is what God has given me. And God has given you the authority to do that. And so today as we kind of close and as I pray, I just want to pray that you would not give the devil a seat at your table, but that you would kick him out if you have. And so would you just bow your heads and I just want to pray real quick.